0: It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, 20 years after Babylon 5's debut. This intro cast is a dream given form. Its goal? To introduce the show to new fans by creating a place where new viewers and old alike can discuss the show peacefully. It's a port of call, home away from home for geeks, nerds, podcasters, and wanderers. British and Americans, wrapped up in minutes of audio downloads, all alone on the web. It can be a silly place, but it's our last best hope for intelligent analysis. This is the story of the first of the Babylon 5 introcast, the year is 2014. The name of the show is Down Below. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Down Below, a Babylon 5 introcast. I'm Will. I'm Anne.
1: I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm and, Jason.
0: Hi, Jason. Hello, Jason. Sh- Jason's our very first visitor to the show. Jason, you've been a, you're an old Babylon 5 fan, aren't you? Yes. And did you watch when the show was on the air, or did you come to it sometime later?
2: I did not. I was one of those people who thought it was a stupid Deep, deep Space Nine clone. Oh.
0: So I didn't,
2: I didn't watch it. I actively didn't watch it. Um, <laughs> I feel really stupid about that now, because it was the other way around, but... Um, no, I, uh, I had a, there was a time where I was, uh, my, my wife was away for 10 months and I had caught up on a lot of, uh, TV and, uh, video games and stuff and, uh, Buffy and Angel and
0: Babylon five was one of them. So are you a
1: big sci-fi fan, Jason? I am. Oh, awesome. I
0: like them all. (laughs) Well, today we're here to discuss the first episode of season one midnight on the firing line. But before that, here is our ISN report. ISN Special Report: The Centauri Agricultural Colony Ragesh-3 is attacked by unknown assailants. On Babylon-5, Commander Jeffrey Sinclair calls for a meeting of the Council and the League of Non-Aligned Worlds. Centauri Ambassador Landa Millar discovers that the Norn were responsible for the attack on the colony. At the Council meeting. Narn Ambassador Jakar presents a video in which the colonists ask for aid from the Narn government for help with violent outbreaks on the colony. Ambassador Malari believes that the request for aid was coerced. While investigating raider attacks, Commander Sinclair discovers evidence to support Ambassador Malari's claim. The Narn are then forced to withdraw their forces from Ragesh Three. This has been your ISN special report. Can okay, Midnight on the Firing Line aired... On January 26, 1994, which was 20 years ago today, the day that we're recording.
3: Yay! Yeah, I've got the air date uh, for when it aired in the UK on Channel 4. What was that? Um, we didn't get it until 99, but we got it in uh, January as well. Um, it was uh, the 3rd of January, of, was... uh, 1999.
0: Yeah, this wasn't done on purpose. I knew it would be close to the beginning of season one, but I didn't realize it would be... You know, the exact date. That's cool. Well, this episode, just like the pilot, was written by JMS and directed by Richard Compton. So let's get into the recap. There were some changes since the last episode, weren't there?
4: There were. Yeah, we lost people, uh-huh. gained new ones.
0: And a bit of redesign of the sets as well. And a redesign of some of our characters' uh, makeup.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that was weird <laughs> Wow. <and> confusing. <laughs>
3: Yeah, about a year and a half in between the pilot, wasn't it, and the first episode.
0: Right. Uh, just a few notes. Um, just since so much time had passed between the pilot and the first episode of season one, you probably noticed that they rehashed a lot of the information that they said in the pilot just to give viewers a refresher on everything. They had originally planned on going straight into series after the pilot, but the network... Wanted to air their pilot and see what kind of ratings it got before they made a decision on the show. Uh, the original title of this episode was Blood and Thunder. Hmm. So they mentioned blood several times in the episode. The Midnight on the Firing Line reflected JMS's opinion on the episode and the series at that time. And this wasn't the first episode of the season produced, but it was the first one that aired. So if in later episodes, some of the performances seem a little bit, they seem a little bit less comfortable in the roles than they do in this episode. That's because they were produced out of order.
3: Code, I think, was 103, so it's about the third one aired.
0: Is this what he
1: originally planned to air first, and they just shot it third? Or did he originally plan this to be later?
0: I think this... I'm assuming, I don't know for sure, I'm assuming this was what they intended to air first because, Mm -hmm. but they just had to shoot it out of order for some reason or another.
4: That's better than the other way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So the episode begins in a station above the Centauri Agricultural Colony of Ragesh 3, and some jump points form, a jump point forms, and the colony is attacked by ships. The station, the people on the station send a message to Centauri Prime that they're under attack but it's destroyed before they can say who the attacker is.
1: Yeah, this was a lot of information coming at me <laughs> at the very beginning and I was like wow, what if you didn't, you, you couldn't pause it back in the day. I was like trying to read it all, trying to understand what's happening maybe it was just me. but uh... And we were trying well, to uh... do commentary at the same time oh,
3: yeah.
4: I heard I in the was... commentary
3: I confused you were uh... <laughs>
4: We were very confused. We really thought that this was, like, the war that we had heard about and that this was, like, a flashback or something. And, yeah, completely confused.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
4: the, the the captions on the screen went by really fast, though. They did.
0: Yeah, they did.
1: Yeah, and we kind of thought already, like, when we came into it that it was going to be about, you know, flashbacks or something like that. So I was like, oh, they had an establishing shot of a planet. You know, my brain did not take in the shapes of the continents or anything. (laughs) I was just like, Earth, this must be that. And I wasn't quite reading it. But, you know, the second time I was like, pause. So, yeah.
0: Back on Babylon 5, we are introduced to Susan Ivanova. She can't locate Commander Sinclair because his link is turned off. Susan Ivanova is played by Claudia Christian. She is... Best known for her role on this show, but more recently she's done a lot of voice work. She's been in a Doctor Who audio drama, She did an episode of Grimm, two episodes of Freaks and Geeks.
1: So what's the backstory here? Like, do we know why they replaced Takashima, or they are oh. they did replace her?
3: I've got some information saying nine months is meant to have passed, um, so there's a period of time where, you know, things have changed um, and Takashima has been reassigned. We'll have uh, you some notes as well.
0: Right. On the commentary for The Gathering, JMS said that the actress who played Takashima was just never comfortable in the role and they wanted someone stronger going forward.
4: Which we kind of, you know, right. noted a little bit. Although she grew on me, so I was a little sad to not see her back.
0: Garibaldi explains to Ivanova that Commander Sinclair turns his link off for ten minutes a day so he can enjoy some peace and quiet in the observation dome, and Ivanova finds him there and tells him that there's a problem. Mm
1: -hmm. Is that how every episode is going to (laughs) start? It's always during his downtime. (laughs) Poor guy.
0: Can't can't get any peace and quiet around here.
2: That line from Ivanova gets repeated a couple times in the series. Right. (laughs) What, What she says, you know, when she comes onto the deck...
0: Next, we see Londo and Garibaldi, and we have this, I think, pretty funny exchange between these two, and we find out that when the Centauri and humans first met, the Centauri thought, well, Centauri told the humans that they were a lost colony, but this proved to be untrue when humans finally got their hands on some Centauri DNA, and Londo said, oh, it was a clerical error.
3: <laughs> uh, we well- also find out that the Centauri were the first alien race humans met,
1: oh okay yeah and that they were they okay so they haven't been an empire for a hundred years and i'm guessing that they were just kind of hanging a lampshade on the fact that the centauri look exactly like humans and um but they're saying you know yes we understand that they look exactly like humans but they're not <laughs> so
4: yeah i i enjoyed this scene i like to see that how fast of a talker londo is i mean he's He's right there, you know, making up excuses when, oh, yeah, well, clerical <laughs> error.
2: I was going to say, I like how they, um, just how much faster this they get information out in this episode. Because um, like uh, Will said, it does act kind of as a second pilot because it had been so long since the pilot movie. And I don't believe uh, they were allowed to reshow it before the series aired. So they had to kind of mm. describe the series with, uh, you know, in this episode. And I think they get a lot of uh, good information out. Um, and this this scene is like an example of that. That's uh, they, they get a lot of uh, good background information out while still making a pretty entertaining scene.
1: That's kind of what I thought, you know, as to why that they're reinforcing, I guess, the Narn as kind of villainous. Because, I mean, it's kind of awkward to have, like, to watch it back to back with the gathering and think, okay, you know, this is kind of repetitious in terms of, like, who the villain of the piece is or whatever, or ostensibly who the villain is. And um, but then you think about it. Okay, it's been a long time since they showed the gathering, so they're just kind of like reinforcing the different roles of the different you know races and that kind of thing.
3: Yeah, reestablishing the status quo before you go forward.
2: Mm-hmm. And in the gathering, uh, Jakar is almost kind of a cartoon villain. Like he's just doing, seems to be creating chaos. And in this one, he mm-hmm. seems to have a better yeah. reason for <laughs> 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 seems to have a better reason for wanting to uh, fight. You know, cause conflict.
0: Lando's aide Veer arrives and tells Londo about the attack on Ragesh Three. Veer is played by Stephen first who he was in Animal House, but before B Five, he was on. Oh Saint.
1: my God!
0: He was on Saint <laughs> Elsewhere. Oh <laughs> yeah, Animal House.
1: Oh my God, I think I recognize him from that.
0: Has it been a Did long time since I've seen <laughs>
1: Oh, that's hilarious! Okay.
3: Yeah, he gets called flounder on several of the cast commentaries. <laughs> awesome. So what did you make of uh, Veer?
1: Well, he's a character. Veer. I don't know. Yeah, I, I haven't really formed an opinion yet.
0: Okay, so next, Lando demands to know what Earth knows about the attack, but Earth doesn't know any more than the Centauri do. You know, Delane and Jakar arrive to offer their condolences, and this is where we get the first look at their new makeup. And yes, it is the same actors in both cases. Just Yeah, you makeup. got a bit
3: confused in
0: the commentary yeah. there. Didn't
1: Thanks you? for clarifying that. <laughs> <laughs> when I rewatched it, I saw the name of the actress, so I was like, okay, it's the same name. But man, they really made her look different. They did.
0: She Maybe it was better.
1: Did they. Why did they do that? Did they think that it was... Uh, maybe it was just me. Because I think in the gathering, I found that the um, the Narn and the Mimbari makeup was sort of similar. Not really, with the spots and everything, but at least like the cheekbones and stuff. But um, is there any particular reason why they changed the makeup?
3: I think we're both about to say the same thing, actually. that um, We were saying last week that they were originally going for the whole idea of an androgynous... Um, Creature for Delenn Whereas that must have gotten uh, dropped In between the pilot and the first episode And so rather than adding a p- more pronounced um, Cheekbone in the makeup And making Delenn's makeup look a bit more masculine um, They decided to pare it back a bit And just use the um, bone piece And ball cap, I think But I'm not too sure
2: and basically when the voice modulation, uh, didn't work out, uh, they could never get that to work out in the pilot movie, uh, JMS just decided that that wasn't, a, a place they were going to take the story. And so that her, her makeup didn't need to be, uh, defined in that way. And I think maybe there were just some issues with that particular makeup job going forward. It was yeah. going to take too long or it's going to be too much work, but it just didn't work with the storyline anyway. So.
3: Yeah, the uh, voice modulation was very dodgy in the original um, pilot.
1: Okay. Well, I'm glad she's still around. <laughs> I like that actress.
0: Crazy French lady.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jakar claims he doesn't know anything about the attack, and Lando explains that the colony is insignificant because it's just an agricultural colony. Sinclair wants everyone to contact their own government, and later on they'll call a meeting of the Council and the League of Non-Aligned Worlds. And the League of Non-Aligned Worlds is just an alliance of the minor races.
1: Mm-hmm. Everybody that doesn't look human-esque.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that's not important, basically. <laughs> I would
2: say if you want a real-world example, they're modeled after the UN,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: where the, the, the five big races are like the Security Council. So they're right. the ones who make big decisions, but the whole entire... Um, you know, United, United Worlds get to vote on, on lots of things. But the five major races are like the Security Council.
1: Okay. So there's really not a lot of additional worlds in because there were only a few other representatives there, right? Or or are we to assume that there's others that weren't there? <laughs> or maybe you can't tell us that. Okay, never mind. That's just an observation. Yeah. <laughs> continue. But, but um, I was going to say, when um, when Londa was talking to Jakar, you know, it made me think, like, Why would the Narn attack this? I mean, I know we kind of get a sort of explanation later, but I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. It's weird. I mean, it's just like, why starting a whole war over just this one little agricultural colony? I have my theories.
2: Do you think Dakar was telling the truth that he didn't know the first time around?
1: I Hmm. um, I don't know. He lies a lot. (laughs) He does. Um, that's a good question.
2: I don't have an answer, so I, I just wondered what you guys thought. Cause I've always wondered that, too.
0: I don't trust Jakar. I, I don't,
3: don't know. I I, don't, I I think he might genuinely not have known at that point, and he only found out after he left um, the meeting, you know, and was told about it by his government. Uh, Maybe so. Cause, yeah. It wouldn't have been something he was directly involved in, I don't think.
1: Yeah, it's possible that they just kept it from the ambassador, you know.
0: I can see that.
3: Plausible deniability.
0: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Ivanova tells Garibaldi about a distress signal that was received from some of the ships and the signal mentioned raiders. (laughs) And we see... Talia Winters, licensed commercial telepath, Psychor Rating P five. She attempts to check in with the second in command as regulations require, even though Lita checked in with the commander. I don't know <laughs> if that you <laughs> But
3: Well, perhaps you've got to check in with one of the command stuff. Okay. Yeah, which makes sense either that being um, the commander or at the moment Ivanova
0: I read somewhere that P5 is the um, normal rating for commercial telepaths. I didn't remember that.
1: Normal rating? Like just like an average type?
0: Yeah, that's, the, that's usually what commercial telepaths are rated. Talia Winters is played by Andrea Thompson. She's been in a lot of things. Um, she was on 24 for one season. She was in a Heroes web series. She was on NYPD Blue for a while and after she left NYPD Blue it was really weird i remember hearing about it at the time she became an anchor on headline news and everybody was kind of scratching their head about why she would you know, leave her acting career to be an anchor on headline news kind of i think about think about anchor man whenever i think about news anchors nowadays <laughs>
1: Maybe that's where
4: I know that name from. I recognized her, and I... Nothing that you
3: said ring a bell, so I'm still kind of at a loss.
0: Yeah, she was on Falcon Crest also. I don't know if you saw that. Mm. For,
3: I think... Sorry, I, I was just saying, I think I remember her on 24 briefly and was surprised when she turned up. That's but a
0: possibility.
4: It, it might be from there.
0: Yeah, I think she, she was a doctor, and I think she got involved with Jack Bauer for a little while. For about two years she was married to Jerry Doyle who plays Garibaldi mm. Yeah, that's a bit of trivia I didn't know about yeah
1: she couldn't resist his invitation to his quarters <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I read something that said that um, her first day on the set to kind of break the ice with Claudia Christian she just kind of walked up to her and said I'm Tally Winner's licensed commercial telepath and they ended up becoming good friends after that. So, so was
1: this a um uh, Were they actually trying to replace Lita or or the will you know is it not related to that at all?
0: Ah uh, yes, the actress that played Lita had a contract dispute, so she left the show. Okay. Okay. So Talia's tried to reach Ivanova three times, but Ivanova blows her off this time since she's busy. And Garibaldi goes to investigate the distress signal
1: I think the um, CGI is better in this episode
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think they're play. able to spread
3: the cost out I think over the entire series rather than having a minute budget just for a pilot I think they managed to do a better job with um, I think they were running about 3 Macs at the time to do all this um, effects as well so it's an impressive job even back then
2: Neither one of you saw the original pilot, right? You just saw the Netflix or the, the, the what DVD is it, the iTunes one TV. or DVD one? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the original ones were pretty dreadful. Um, <laughs> I almost think that was the best use of the year they spent off was getting the graphics up to, you know, r- really good
0: speed for the 90s. hmm Sinclair hears a news reporter about the election on Earth. Incumbent Luis Santiago has the advantage right now in the polls the
3: oh uh, sorry Will wait a second I think we've skipped over the opening credits haven't we ah uh, yes because I want to hear what Elizabeth and Heidi think about those
1: it, it was a big uh, info dump yes <laughs>
4: a lot of information but um hopefully I guess they keep it in there so I can listen to it you know every time I, I watch an episode
1: <laughs> I actually wrote the entire thing down whoa Okay, yeah, yeah, I know. Not I'm not ambitious. No, <laughs> because I was like, okay, I want to understand, you know, what what they're saying and and have it as reference, you know. But um, okay, but it didn't really add a lot of information um, that we didn't already know. But it was, you know, still a lot to listen to. Um, mm-hmm. But it, they did say it was the dawn of the third age of mankind. So that's kind of interesting, whatever that means. <laughs> it makes you think of Lord of the Rings, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it does. So how? That's,
1: years
2: that's after, mildly
0: interesting.
4: when are we going to get to the age of the elves
0: (laughs) (laughs) the age of men Uh, how long is Babylon 5 Elizabeth pop quiz
1: how long is it what do you mean oh yes it's 2 point (laughs) he said the entire thing out but it's uh, a 2.5 million tons of spinning metal all alone in the night Uh, (laughs) (laughs) nice and it's 10 years after the Earth-Membari war we learned that And the year is 2258.
0: The pilot was 2257,
3: right? Yeah, I think so. As I said, uh, I think it's the Lurker's Guide that says it's nine months between the pilot in world and the start of the series.
0: Oh, yeah, the Lurker's Guide is a great resource for B5 fans, but not if you haven't already seen the show. I looked at it recently, and it looks pretty much the same as it did back in 1998, except now it has a Facebook like button.
3: Yeah, the design hasn't changed any, has it?
0: (laughs) No. A lot of the links are dead now. I think they should...
3: At least it doesn't have any MIDI files.
0: Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, the ISN anchor is played by Maggie Egan. She's had a lot of guest roles on shows like The Mentalist, Slider's, ER, Seinfeld. So she looks like
1: she's totally out of the 80s with her gold lame outfit and her hair. Awesome.
0: We should do a collection of all the 90s hair. Have an <laughs> album on Facebook. Yeah. There's yeah there's one on the DVD. I saw on the DVD menus. It's coming up. It's pretty pretty. Good.
4: If anybody wants to take that on, can they also post me a side-by-side picture of Delenn's makeup from the <laughs> um, from the gathering to this episode? Just so I can see it side-by-side. Awesome.
0: So Ivanova enters, and there's been no word from Earth on the Centauri problem, and they talk, uh, speculate on who might be responsible for the attack. Sinclair doesn't think that the Minbari are responsible because they... They're too honorable. So we find out a little bit or more about Sinclair and Ivanova. They talk about the attack and the election. Find out that Sinclair comes from a line of fighter pilots, and Ivanova doesn't trust President Santiago because it's a pretty funny line about why she doesn't trust him. Mm-hmm. So I'll say uh, for the quotes.
1: Can we back up real quick to the, um, where he was talking about the Mambari? Yes. So uh, I really like that information, you know, that they were really honorable. And, um, but it makes you wonder, like, I'm not asking, <laughs> but like, what was the cause of this war then? Because you would think that it's not a war of aggression on the Membari's part, or, you know, they're trying to take over, you know, the planet or something like that. So it makes you think that it must have been provoked by Earth if the Membari are so reasonable that even somebody fighting in the war says says that they are, then you know what was the cause of this war? Just rhetorical.
4: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Topic.
0: Good question. Jason posted a link to a side by side picture in the Skype.
4: <laughs> nice. Oh, let me see. Oh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like I knew it was different, but
2: okay. It's yeah, apparently the different. the new makeup is was a lot easier. Uh, It's apparently all just one appliance and Uh a bald cap, and the old makeup was, you know, there was like chin putty and there was all over face makeup, and uh, apparently even the bone was harder to do. So Uh they they made their lives a lot easier. (laughs) And she's really, really, you know, they they really like hit her in that other makeup, but she really comes out in the in the new makeup. Uh
3: No wonder you got confused um, because you really see. Uh, you know, are real features this time, whereas in the original makeup, they really are obscured.
4: Yes, our commentary must be so funny. Is that her? <laughs> Who is that? What is going
0: on? That was hilarious.
2: <laughs> Never noticed the Narn comparison until until uh, you guys mentioned it. How much she looks like a Narn in the old makeup because she got the spots and the. Thank
3: you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, she have also her eye ridges as well. They're extended outwards, um, like the Narns are as well.
4: Not just Uh, me. That's good. Uh, We got the stuff about Sinclair's family, like all being pilots, right? That was in the scene. Right. Um, He
3: said all the way back to the Battle of Britain, which means either his American pilot was fighting the Battle of Britain in one of those um, enlisted in a uh, British in the British military, or he he's. Uh, family was originally British and emigrated to America sometime over the past 200 years or so, so between 1940s and um, 2050s. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, in Londo's quarters, Veer and Londo receive a video from the station at Ragesh 3, and we can see that it was Narn ships that attacked the colony, And they did one of my least favorite things to see on TV shows. They have an image and they say, (laughs) enhance. It doesn't work that way. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) exactly. We wish it did. Yeah. (laughs) You buy it more in sci-fi because you think, oh, in the future. They (laughs) have this
0: technology that can do it. But, you know, anyway. So Garibaldi is out there investigating the Raiders and he finds the ship stripped to the bone and realizes that the ship... Was hit with something heavier than standard guns. Back on, I wrote
1: down dramatic Londo close up. I don't know what that's about, but it's around this time. Anybody remember a dramatic Londo close up?
4: Um, it's probably in the video scene where he's watching the the video and then sees the the fighter um okay, playing or whatever, perhaps and then when, enhances it.
3: Yeah, perhaps it's when he says "Jaka!"
4: Yes, <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's a ham. Very dramatically. <laughs> yeah, well, back on B five, Lando finds Jakar and attacks him. And <laughs> this scene, Jakar offers Lando some spoo, which is backwards <laughs> for oops. And uh-huh. Jakar spits on spits on
3: Lando. Well, I was the
0: other way around. Lando spits on Jakar, and Jakar had this hilarious look on his face when Lando spit on him, and I just thought it was funny. Jakar screams that the Centauri's time has come and gone. And this whole scene, I just noticed that Jakar is doing a lot of spitting when he's talking. <laughs> I was
3: now, in the commentary as well, you noticed uh, Jakar's green fillings. I don't, I don't know whether that's uh, makeup or whether that's actual fillings. Uh, it looked a bit weird to me when I saw it.
1: So I yeah, wasn't no, imagining things.
3: No, it was. No,
1: I noticed it the second time I watched it too. I was like, "Yep, you're right." In the back, there's some green. Yeah, I always
2: assumed that he was still chewing, or uh, almost like he had gum in his mouth when he did, did that scene. But that usually doesn't happen on TV. So yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Later on, Lando and Sinclair are talking. Lando apologizes for attacking Jakar, and we find out in this scene that the Centauri have this ability that sometimes they. Well, they know how and sometimes when they're going to die. Lundo has had a dream that 20 years from now, his hands are wrapped around someone's throat and they've killed each other. And the first time he met Jakar, he recognized Jakar as the man from the dream. Sinclair thinks that... Well,
1: did Sorry. Well, did he say that they killed each other? Or he said something like... I don't know. He said something more cryptic than that, didn't he? Like he wasn't sure what was going to happen. That he had a dream... That they were strangling each other, but then they he had didn't, their it...
3: hands wrapped around each other's throats. Mm-hmm. But then
1: I made me wonder, like, like it kind of he left the ending up to fate. I mean, and the way he spoke of it kind of sounded like he wasn't sure of the ending. But then why would he say that we dream about, you know, how we're going to die? I don't know. It was kind of weird to me.
0: Yeah, maybe that was my mistake. They, she said later on, you know, one of us is gonna—I can't remember how it went. One of us is gonna kill the other. Yeah
3: um it sounds to me as well that not all member, i mean not all centauri get these dreams and uh they don't always come th- true as okay. well so there is some doubt that that's the impression i got from recent. centauri we have this thing dreams i'm not sure exactly what the quote was he said they
1: sometimes sound- dream
3: yeah so it sounded to me like this is something that happens to some Centauri, but not all Centauri and not all dreams come true. Mm-hmm. As if you can escape that fate. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, either way, I find it a very fascinating character trait. And every time we see a new Centauri, I'll be like, oh, do they know when they're going to die?
0: <laughs> Sinclair thinks this is a chance to put together a coalition against the Narn attack. Lando tells Sinclair about his nephew Karn who he had placed on Ragesh 3 to keep safe and right now he doesn't know if his nephew isn't alive or dead. And Lando says that blood calls for blood and that promises he promises that there will be war. Next Garibaldi and Ivanova are talking again. Now, this is the third time that the raiders have hit a ship in that sector and there must be a leak since transport are kept, routes are kept secret. And then we, we see Talia winners, you know, easing her way over to talk to Ivanova, but Ivanova leaves before Talia can catch up with her.
2: I, I was going to say, I've seen this uh, episode, you know, dozen times, and I didn't notice until this one how actively Ivanova is avoiding Talia. Like, what, all the other times I've watched the scene, I just thought, oh, you know... She just, you know, they ran. They happen to miss each other, but I, I apparently didn't know all the notice all the glances that Ivanova has given to Talia as she approaches. So I was just sort of a thing. I, I I I think it's fun that I can still notice new things yeah. after watching it so many times.
3: Uh, not every series will have um, a character wander up in the background and uh, mm-hmm. that kind of subtle gestures going on. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's just a nice little bit of layering in the scene. I was going to move on to the thing you were saying in the commentary about, um, what's his that Michael Garibaldi eating a lot after uh, seeing a lot of death and how that seemed to be at odds for you.
4: Well, yeah, because it would, like, make my stomach turn and I wouldn't want to eat.
3: <laughs> I suppose it, you know, reminds you how much you are alive for some people, though.
1: I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it depends. I mean, it seems like he, as security person, probably sees enough that (laughs) he's used to it, so it doesn't bother him as much. And yet, they eat well on the space station. Yeah, (laughs) Is that supposed to be like a chicken? I don't know. Weird. But I, I think that going back a little bit to Talia, um, trying to, um, to flag down Ivanova, um, it just seems like they could have made a better reason for her to be so persistent than trying to get to her i mean are they saying that she can't do any business until she's registered whatever that means or i thought it was going to be something really important
3: i was just thinking that you know she registered in the first scene but she she's got to do a lot of business on this station she wants to get along with the command staff because she knows she's going to have to interact with um a a lot so she wants to get off on at least reasonable terms with her and she's puzzled why this woman doesn't like her so i think that's the impression i got that it wasn't about you know making this official it was more about i'd like to get on with this woman just so that i can have a pleasant time on this station why is she avoiding me Well, she could have
1: picked a better day to do it then. I mean, you'd think that she could read people, at least, you know, it's like it's a really big day going on in the ship. Mm. We have attacks, potential war, (laughs) we have space pirates, we have an election coming up. It's like, you know, maybe pick your battles.
4: Yeah, but she has also tried to get in contact with her three times previous to this day. So it's fairly obvious to her that she's being avoided, and I'm sure she just wants to know
1: why. Oh, no, i don't think and that and she with. should give up eventually i mean I, th- I just think it's weird that she was hounding her all on this really crazy day when all she had, was doing was registering which i guess she had already done by talking to her the first time that day just thought they could have given her a little bit more reason to be hounding her like that when she's so busy
0: hmm. well the next scene takes place in cautious quarter sinclair goes to speak with Caution, he's doing something. What was he doing back there behind? <laughs> Whatever,
1: it was changing. Uh,
3: <laughs> I think it was a really simple effect. And, well, really, it looked you know, you've got some sort of uh light projection on the screen, you could have anything going on behind there, you don't know what's going on. It's just really done simply and quite well.
0: Yeah, uh, we find out that. Kosh will attend the emergency session and Kosh believes that the Narn and Sitari are dying races and they should be allowed to die. I, th- I thought it was funny um, how Sinclair asked him if he had any opinion, on, if the Gvorlans had any opinion on what was going on and he just didn't answer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't care about these people.
4: Yeah, he's pretty much one of those characters that are just annoying because they talk in riddles, you yes. know, and don't ever give a straight answer.
0: Like Gandalf.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um, I, I like that scene because I think it shows even more than the pilot that, and it's kind of something you need to relay to the viewer that you know, Kosh is in an encounter suit. That that's a you know, that's a, basically a spacesuit that he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people won't think that that's actually what his you know, that's the the that's not the form his race takes. That's just the you know spacesuit that they're in. And they deal with that somewhat in the when they have to do surgery on him in the in the pilot, but. I think the, that little scene makes it, you know, pretty clear because he's not, you know, he's not inside of it, and then he's he is inside of it later. Mm-hmm. So they make that clear. And he
1: gets there really fast. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, do we think he's like just light, like energy, and he just zipped through the space really quickly? I don't know. It's weird. It just seemed yeah. like a bunch of ball of light moving interesting. around. Interesting. Yeah. Oh my God, he's Dawn. <laughs> uh...
0: <laughs> no
4: (laughs) that's where dawn came from
1: (laughs) (laughs) she's a (laughs) vorlon awesome
0: wow the dimension
1: that glory came from
0: (laughs) okay (laughs) so he uh back on the cnc ivanova catches garibaldi using her station and she doesn't like that and we find out that all incoming ships log their routes through her console. So she, uh, Garibaldi's, trying to find out which company sold the routes to supply ships. I think this gives, you know, some more about Ivanova's personality. To so find out a little bit more about her. Mm-hmm.
2: Did you guys have any problems with her threatening to break off his arms? Because that's a weird like <laughs> moment that people on the internet seem to hate. And I always just thought it was a little bit. It was funny.
4: Yeah, I I just kind of thought that it shows that she's tough and isn't going to take his crap.
1: Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, oh, yeah, obviously she's she's sensitive to her space and, you know, she wants to assert herself as that position is hers. But I didn't really, no, I didn't have a problem with it.
0: Okay, hey, Back in Londo's quarters, we find out that the council meeting has started, but... Lando has received a message from the Centauri government saying they're not going to do anything about the attack on Ragesh Three because it's too small, it's too far away, and it's unimportant, so they're not going to risk a confrontation over it. Lando says, you know, we're just going to pretend that we haven't heard anything from Centauri Prime and we're going to try to get the other governments to step in and take action. Next, we see Talia and Garibaldi. Talia's wondering, you know, why Ivanova's blowing her off. And he explains that it takes a while for her to warm up to people, especially when she's working. And he suggests that Talia visits her when she stops by the casino, her normal time, and try to talk to her then. And Garibaldi offers to show her his first, no, no, second favorite thing in the whole universe.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I was like, that's... I mean, the implication... Is, like, sexual harassment-y. <laughs> I mean, we find out what it is later, but I was like, yeah, that's I'm walking a line there. I'm walking a line, Garibaldi. Rule breaker.
0: She had this look on her face when she said, when he said, first, I was wondering if she got that from his mind, even though she's not supposed to do any unlicensed <laughs> scans. I think it was maybe this scene where, I guess it was her first day on the set and she was doing this scene and when she... Walked in, maybe to the elevator, or whatever. The actor that plays Garibaldi had his pants down to his ankles just as a practical joke. And, I don't know, she married him later, so.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <broke> the ice. <laughs> that's even worse.
0: <laughs> what do you think his first favorite thing
2: in the universe is?
1: Uh, honestly, something sexual. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> Although
4: it might be. It might be uh, more interesting and more comedic if it's also something totally off the wall. Could be Spoo.
0: (laughs) Next, we see Sinclair and Jakar in the garden. We find out that the Narn homeworld was once green before the Centauri stripped it bare. Jakar dreams of stripping the galaxy of the Centauri. And they have a discussion. We find out that the Narn sold weapons to Earth during the Midwari War. And he later goes on to say that a sneak attack is the mark of a coward, and they have an exceeded exchange. And I'm not sure if it was this point where they mentioned that it's... No, I think it's later episode, but they do mention that it's been about a hundred years since the Centauri occupation ended.
3: Well, I thought it was a hundred years since it started.
0: Okay, you're probably right.
1: I think earlier in the episode they said it was a um, hundred years since the Centauri's have been, I guess, I don't know, like a, an empire or something. Yeah, the Centauri haven't been an empire for a hundred years. So that came up earlier in the episode. Right. And then here in this scene, there's, like,
4: a list of battles, which I found interesting. Like, Pearl Harbor was mentioned.
3: San Diego. Yeah. Terrorist bombing, nuking of San Diego. I mean, Uh and this is well before uh, 9-11. Exactly.
2: I think you mentioned on the commentary, you know, is that sci-fi rule of three? Was that for this? Or is that something in the pilot? I forget. Um, but I I like this one, or this one's a little different because it's, you know, one real thing and two fake things. Mm -hmm. It's a little different, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it it definitely jumped out as one of those, oh, here's, here's a list of things. Some of them are real. Most of them are not
3: (laughs) that you get get in sci-fi so much.
0: No, they're not fake. They just never, they just haven't happened yet.
3: It does. It makes you wonder. It makes you wonder what terrorist organization did this new king in San Diego. Why did they
0: do it? And why San Diego?
1: I mean, there's a lot of whoop, Comic-Con maybe there. <laughs> but other than that, yes. They
0: didn't get tickets to Comic-Con, so they they nuked the place.
3: <laughs> They're nerd terrorists.
0: That, or someone's cosplay
3: just got way out of hand. <laughs>
0: Oh, I saw some cosplay this weekend. I'm not sure. They, like, had really lax rules on what was appropriate attire, I guess, because some people were showing a lot. (laughs) So Garibaldi has figured out how the raiders operate, and he knows when the next attack will be. And we see later that Sinclair is asking Earth for a military intervention, but Earth wants Sinclair to delay the council meeting until after the election, and if possible... Sinclair is to abstain from voting.
1: This is where I was started, like my strands of conspiracy theory in my head.
4: Okay. <laughs> I'll talk
1: about that later. Um, but I did like the the part in the scene where um, the, the senator he says, um, you know, stop moving. <laughs> I want to see. You. I don't <laughs> know. I just kind of like that little part.
4: <laughs> yeah, I liked this because we got to see that you know Sinclair doesn't get to make these decisions whether he does it underhandedly or not um he answers to someone and we saw you know who he answers to Mm
3: -hmm. yeah i also found it interesting um just on a side note that um although it's the earth government um it's made by the show's made by america so you've got an american senator but they're saying don't get involved earth alliance can't be the universe's police. Whereas, at the moment, uh, and for you know a while, the American government ha- seems to, well, governments, I should say, you know, administrations or however you say it, um, have kind of said they are the world's police. And how, you know, there's almost a parallel, but um, different reactions to very similar scenarios.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Team America. Yeah, I was
1: kind of picking up on that last last episode, too, and um, yeah, I think, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of thought on that either way in terms of, you know, America's role, and I think that's kind of like some of the parallels they were showing here uh, in terms, of, but, you know, the opinion might, the official opinion, <laughs> at least they're coming out on the side of not being the world's, the universe's police, but um, I don't know, I mean, it, it seems to me, though, my, um, just from watching these two episodes, my impression is that the Membari are um, quite a bit stronger because they, at least only 10 years previously, they had Earth on the ropes, and also, I mean, Earth had to buy weapons from another world um, in order to fight the Mimbari. So that is just my opinion that the Membari are actually the strongest of the um, races. I don't know if that's true, but that's just my impression.
0: Well, Garibaldi is ready to intercept the Raiders, but Sinclair has a realization. He wants Garibaldi to stand down because Sinclair is going to head out to investigate. He tells Ivanova to preside over the meeting and pretend that she never heard any orders from Earth. And the last thing she heard was that they were voting for sanctions. Yeah, it's similar to what happened with Lando and Beer earlier.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed this. Um, I I liked it. Claire is a rule breaker and he'll do what he thinks is right in the situation
3: yeah. this these uh, plays really solidify the impression that this episode especially it, it's a political drama over an action drama and it kind of separates itself from Star Trek which is essentially an action drama at this point in the 90s
0: isn't it yeah Okay the council meeting is called to order, and we found out that Ragesh three was once a Narn colony before the Centauri occupation, and they won it back.
3: yeah, it's in this scene that um Delen says Ragesh three has been a Centauri colony for a hundred years, okay, so that's what I think that plus a couple of other things is where I get the impression that um the occupation of Nan started a hundred years ago, and then, you know, the nons were able to rebel some time in between then and now. Some of
2: this was, uh, he was writing some of it, you know, thinking of what was going on in Yugoslavia at the time, where it was a lot of uh, um, fighting over things that had changed hands a hundred years ago, or, um, or, you know, in the, what was that, the, after World War I um, so he had a, he, there was some of that he, when he talks about you know the the, the um, inspiration for kind of that back and forth is is uh, the conflict in Yugoslavia that was happening right then uh, right after right after the Gulf War is when this was all going down so I just think it's interesting he um, there's lots of times he'll pull from you know things that are happening today and other times he pulls from things that happened you know thousands of years ago so he takes a good cross-section of
3: history to write this show. He's also pulled from his own personal experiences a couple of times, I know.
0: Out in space, Sinclair detects a high-energy weapons discharge. Back at the council meeting, Jakar claims that the Narn didn't fire first, at Ragesh 3, he plays a live video with Karn Malari saying, the colony asks Centauri Prime for help with violent outbreaks among the colonists, But they didn't answer, so then they asked the Narn government for help when the Centauri government didn't help. Kari Malari is played by Peter Trencher, and the only thing that stood out on his resume was that he was in Southland for an episode, and Southland is a great, great show. Lando says to Kenyo, can't you see what's happening? He was forced to read that statement. This is where Jakar brings up the fact that the Centauri wouldn't take any action to help Ragesh Three. so he wants to know why. Londo was trying to get the council to do what the Centauri government wouldn't.
4: Which, you know, unfortunately makes a good point. Although obviously Karn was being forced to read that because he was scared to death and kept like looking down at his paper that he was reading. Mm. Yeah,
3: uh, and it was filmed in that hostage style, wasn't it? Uh, it, I think a lot of times in this series uh, you'll see how the cinematography really adds another layer to the story that they'll pull from history they'll pull from other sources to create you know a way of telling the story without doing it through dialogue which I think it does it a very good job at times
0: okay out in space a battle takes place uh, the raiders break off and Sinclair and his men find a hidden command and control ship I wanted to
3: to talk about the CG in this and the way the um, ships move, they're yeah. called Star Furies, these ships. And um, JMS wanted to create a believable future and um, have tech work how it's supposed to work. So the way they move is um, in line with physics so that they'll thrusters and they can just spin on an um, axis and mm-hmm. they'll They'll use, um, their drift as well. So the engines won't always be firing. They'll fire for a burst and they'll drift because there's no way, no friction in space that'll slow them down. And they do some really nice little maneuvers here, I think. Um, and little thing with the, um, staff here is is that, um, NASA actually, uh, during the course of this series, Several NASA employees watched the series and enjoyed it and ended up visiting the set a few times. And NASA officially asked, um, for the blueprints for the star furies so that they could be adapted into, um, things they'd actually use in Earth orbit. Um, (laughs) kind of, they were thinking about using them as kind of more engineering and, um, repair, um, crafts in Earth orbit because of the design. Oh. I don't think... Yeah, nothing came of it, but yeah, it's a nice little trivia, I think. Wow.
0: Back in Londo's quarters, we see Londo constructing a weapon that we assume he's going to kill Jakar with. On his way, he bumps into Talia Winters and she sees what he's thinking telepathically. So she runs to tell Garibaldi what she saw. Next, we see Garibaldi intercept Londo and... Or tell them, I, I know how you feel, but you know, it was a mistake, and sends him back to his quarters. Give him a warning that I'm going to have to search mm. your quarters in an hour and uh, for weapons, and I better not find anything.
4: So Garibaldi like has secret passageways or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what I was saying. How did he, how did he get, either Londo was taking a very long time, or <laughs> he was taking the long route to get to Jakar's quarters.
1: And maybe I'm reading too much into what Gary Baldi said, but when he was saying, like, he really knows how Londo feels, and I think we found out last episode that he has a bit of a past, so I'm wondering if he maybe killed somebody in the past, you know, in a bad way, or he came close to it or something. I don't know.
3: It's just a guess. Hmm. Interesting theory. Um, yeah.
0: Next, Sinclair is back on the station, and he reports that they've driven the raiders out of the section for now. Jakar is there when he's saying this. They've driven the raiders out of the section for now, and they captured a Narn when they investigated the command and control ship. The data crystals on the command and control ship verify everything that the Centauri have said about the attack on Ragesh Three. So Sinclair makes an ultimatum to Jakar must either tell their forces on Ruggish three to withdraw, or the evidence will be presented before the council.
1: I don't understand why he gave him a choice. Like, why wouldn't he tell the... Like, why keep this information from the council? I don't know. It seems like a well, pretty big information.
3: I think he was doing it like that, hoping Jakar would take the other option and he wouldn't have to present it in front of the council because he's got, he, the senator told him not to drag Earth into this too much and so he's he's trying to find another way of sorting the situation out without involving the whole council I think he um he's
2: more concerned about the humanitarian issue than he is about uh the other issue and he doesn't want to if he you know if he has to tell the council this it's going to push them further towards war um but he's more concerned about he's more concerned about the humanitarian issue of of the colony
3: on Ragesh 3 um you know. And um, the Raiders, you know, on both sides, he's trying to save lives.
0: So next we see, some, uh, next we hear a news report and we see that Santiago is leading in the polls. And in the picture you see on the screen of Santiago, that's Douglas Netter, who is the co-executive producer of the show with JMS. I couldn't remember his name last time. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's basically the, the
2: guy who helped him get the show sold and he's basically the business guy while jms is the writer guy and so he's the guy with no chin
0: (laughs) so talia and ivanova finally have a conversation a real conversation ivanova thanks talia for her help with londo and she says that she tried to block the thought out but his thoughts were so powerful that they came through This is where Ivanova explains her behavior. She says that her mother was an untrained telepath. The Psy Corps gives telepaths three choices, either join the Corps, go to prison, or take drugs for the rest of your life that will inhibit your ability. So Susan's mother agreed to take the drugs, and over time, she became, she deteriorated and eventually took her own life. And Ivanova knows that it isn't Talia's fault, but it is part of what she is. Talia says maybe perhaps tomorrow we can start on better terms, but Susan says, I highly doubt it.
4: This was great backstory and like really intriguing stuff that I want to see more of. I want to see, um, you know, these two characters clash because that's really interesting sometimes, especially when it's not like with Jakar, who, you know, is our big bad guy at the moment. Um, So I'm really interested in this and just seeing more of how the government works, where they have these kinds of things in place.
3: What would you do if you had a telepathic population? How would you um, control that? Because it is actually a really dangerous thing. If you've got a portion of your population wandering around who can read anyone's
1: So she said that they have to be trained to block out casual thoughts. So if you're not trained, basically, you just hear people's thoughts on the street or, you know, people that you're next to. And I don't know, this whole thing just reminded me of X-Men. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, wouldn't it be amazing if they had like a Magneto of telepaths? (laughs) And like they had this like evil telepath group. And that was just like against the whole, you know, controlling thing. I don't know. In my mind, I went places. Um, about how awesome that would be, but I hope we get like a like a, a telepath that's like evil at some point. Um, mm-hmm. And it also made me really want to see what Earth is like, you know, to have a a few episodes actually on Earth just to you know see what it's like down there.
2: I like this uh, scene; it's one of my favorite in the in this episode because it's kind of the defining scene that tells you you're not watching Star Trek because there's not only is there this conflict between the two of them, and it's a conflict that, you know, they kind of touch on throughout the whole episode, they don't solve it at the end. You know, they're still, Susan basically says, you know, we probably won't be friends. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, they, they've been able to talk reasonably to each other, but they haven't just patched up all their differences and can now be the best of friends.
4: Right. Like, she understands why she doesn't like her, but that doesn't stop her from not liking her.
0: Yeah, I like the way this scene kind of fleshed out Susan a little more. She's, she's pretty stubborn, even though she knows it's not Talia's fault. She still associates her telepaths with her mother dying.
3: Uh, it's a g- nice scene to develop that character that you've just met. I think it does a better job than the scene in the pilot does with um, Takashima, where um, the Doctor and Takashima talk about their um, plan to have uh, Lita scan Kosh. This does more to develop a character, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, my only issue is that the actress that plays Talia does this thing with her mouth when she talks, and I can't help but notice it whenever she's speaking. I said well, I was bothered by that. I
4: didn't well, notice. now we're all going to notice.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week we're in Garibaldi's quarters, and he's showing Delin his second favorite thing, Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century.
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And uh, she's very confused oh. by popcorn. <laughs>
3: yeah, yep. doesn't know what how to eat. How did he persuade her to uh, come by and watch cartoons, I wonder?
0: She was probably well, just curious. Like, well,
4: and, and they uh, seem to have some kind of a friendship, maybe, because, like, he was telling her about limericks
1: and stuff from The Gathering. Mm. hmm Yeah, it, I think that they have, like, a little friendship, maybe.
0: Yeah, he tells her the stuff that nobody else will, so she's curious. <laughs> Next, we see Sinclair is watching the election results and see that the incumbent, Santiago, has won. And then Sinclair gets a message from Ivanova, commander, there's a problem, commander.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I go into my conspiracy theory? Yeah. Okay, it hinges on, it kind of hinged, for me, and I'm sure I'm completely way off base, but it kind of hinged to me on what the newscasters said um, here. Um, they said that the, um, agenda, the agenda of the Santiago was to create uh, to preserve uh, no, um, to preserve basically peace. I think it was here or maybe it was earlier, but I think that was the prime um, one of the prime, I guess, agendas of Santiago was to keep the peace and to keep Earth out of any conflict. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like, okay, this Narn plan just seemed so ridiculous. I mean, they were not going to be able to keep their involvement from maybe just, I mean, at the most, a couple days because somebody would have found out that, you know, that the Narns were the ones attacking Ragesh 3. So were they only doing it to preserve, uh, to, um, to potentially get it? Or and therefore disrupt the election. That is just my conspiracy theory. Thank you. Mm. Very nice.
0: So we did get into the Battle of the Lion stuff. That was one of the predictions last week, but, you
3: know, I was just wondering, uh, do we go into the other conspiracies yet, or are we saying that till later? Or, I don't mean conspiracies, other
0: theories. (laughs) I (laughs) didn't say that till later.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. Any quotes of the week? Any quotes? Oh yeah, Let me. Uh, I, was
2: gonna, I was gonna say I don't know if, since I only put this on the spoiler group but I'm sort of uh, made myself the keeper of your
0: predictions.
2: So oh nice. Uh, yeah, it. I
0: meant to mention <laughs> that. Sorry, Jason's been keeping up with I'll predictions in our spoiler group.
2: And I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna be. Uh, there's a person on uh, potential cast who actually you know gathers the audio recordings of the really big um, predictions that end up coming true. So I'm hopefully going to try to do that. Um, oh, for awesome. any really Thank big you. ones, but yeah, right. we, we, we've got to, we're we are definitely keeping track of those. Cause, um, that's, that's always a really fun part of an intro cast of a show like this, <laughs> just to see how wild and crazy and how eerily accurate, you know, some predictions can go. So,
4: yeah. Um, why don't I have a person like that for investigating Mars? Because that person is me and, uh, And I'm also, like, the host. So somebody else (laughs) should be keeping track of those predictions. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Okay, quotes. I have one. Um, I liked this one. Kosh says, they are alone. They are a dying people. We should let them pass. And Sinclair says, who, the Narn or the Centauri? And Kosh says,
0: yes. Uh, That that was was one of mine. (laughs)
2: That was a great one. I have one. Uh, it's Ivanova. I'm in the middle of 15 things, all of them annoying.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have Ivanova. I've always thought a leader should have a strong chin. He has no chin, and his vice president has several. This, to me, is not a good combination.
3: <laughs> okay, then I'll take the cards one. I will confess, I look forward to the day when we have cleansed the universe of the Centauri and carved their bones into little flutes for non children. It is a dream I have.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Oh, and then the, it it ends. Sinclair, be careful, Ambassador. Not every dream I've heard lately ends well for you.
0: Any others?
3: Well, it's not quite more a great insult that convention of genetic defectives <laughs> when when Lando's describing his government. That's just a lovely little insult.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another one. Ivanova says. Any other instructions, Commander? Sinclair, lots. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find you before I left, so you never heard any orders from Earth Central. The last you heard, we were voting for sanctions. Clear? Ivanova. Yes, sir. Clear as crystal.
1: That was a good one.
0: All right, if there's nothing else, how about our Characters of the Week? First off, Human of the Week.
3: I've got to go for um, Ivanova. I just think she's really well introduced here especially the last scene, I have to go for Ivanova.
0: I agree.
1: I second, yeah, or third. <laughs> I actually went with
4: Garibaldi this week. He didn't necessarily have, like, the biggest role, but he really entertained me.
0: Can okay, you go for... Have any strong objections against Ivanova? No, that worked. Okay. <laughs> and, and how about Jason? our...
2: Oh, Jason, I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> oh, I... I um, Ivanova is my favorite always, so. <laughs> but in this episode in particular, yes, she's, uh, um, I, I definitely agree that it's, it's great to get that much into a character in one episode.
4: She kind of gave me a Princess Leia vibe, like, um, like really, you know, strong, but then I think it was the hair because, like, when she was on duty, it was, you know, pulled back and crisp and, then when she was in the casino, it was just like, you know, this long flowing hair and a completely, completely different look.
3: I actually noticed her fashion in the casino scene was very 90s. And since we started doing this, when you raised the fashion last week, it, it became really noticeable on her this week with the that um, brown plaid jacket thing <laughs> she was wearing.
0: All right. So how about our alien of the week?
4: I went with Lando.
0: Yeah, that's who I went with as well.
3: Yeah, it was a toss up between Jakar and Lando, but L- Lando just won it out. Um, he he had some really nice scenes here, and um, you get some good character development with him, even though Jakar has some really cool lines.
2: His acting in the uh, scene when they're showing the video of his of his nephew was really good, because you sort of get that horrified and shocked and angry and a whole bunch of emotions on his face and he doesn't have
3: to say anything. You almost get this hopeless look on his face as well. It's all those emotions in one. So, yeah. Peter Jurassic, great actor and had a great um, time on this episode, it looks like.
1: Elizabeth? Um, Well, can I I say something a little bit though about his acting? Because um, I think in some scenes I liked him, but he got a little hammy, I think for me, a little over the top. And that for me brought it down from him being my favorite character, because I think especially that scene in his quarters, when he's with fear to me, that took me out of the uh, episode. I just thought it was too much, you know, a little too over the top. Um, I really liked Jakar in terms of the way uh, his character was portrayed in this episode. I mean, obviously he's portrayed as a villain, but I think, you know, he's he's contained, but he can see that sort of fury in him. And um, I think he's, you know, he's a really good character. So I'm going to go with Jakar. Was nobody else bothered by Londo at all? Is it just me?
0: No.
4: No? I, I really enjoyed him.
0: Hmm. So we have two for Jakar, right? And three for Londo, I think.
3: Well, I've gone for Londo. Um, Will, you went for Londo. I went
0: for Londo. Jason?
2: Yeah, I went for Londo.
0: Okay, I think I want to call it for Londo. So, how about our episode ratings, Jason? You want to start us off?
2: Uh, yeah i i uh, This is a this is a really good pilot. I don't think the actual pilot is a very good pilot. Um, it it uh, establishes a lot all the care a lot of the characters pretty well. Um, it has a good flow to it. It is a little hammy. I I agree that Londo is a little hammy. Um, but I think that's just sort of, you know, early series writing. There's a, a lot worse than you can get out of a first episode of a series. Um, of course, it helps that it's not really the first. I had time to revise it. So I give this one
3: 8 out of 10. Spooze. <laughs> Damn it, you stole my writing.
0: <laughs> okay, Heidi.
4: Okay, well, coming at it, having like having the characters established from the pilot movie, this was a little jarring because all of a sudden we have all these different characters who I know are probably the like beloved characters of the series. But, uh, coming, just, just coming at it from already kind of enjoying Takashima and, um, and Lita, it was kind of weird although it did help that you guys said that there was nine months difference and they really weren't just trying to you know like pretend these characters didn't exist before that helped a little bit um but i also was a little sad because they kind of took away some of the diversity of the cast by not having takashima and we didn't see the doctor this episode so i'm not positive if he's gone or if he maybe just wasn't in this one um so that brought it down a little bit for me but the story was was really good although i it wasn't until they revealed that the raiders actually had something to do with the overall plot that i really cared what was going on there so i'm gonna have to give this one six out of ten duck dodgers cartoons
0: uh, j m s did mention that he was kind of disappointed that he lost some of the diversity on the show with cast changes. so how about you elizabeth?
1: um yeah, I liked it um i i think i I didn't even think about that, but yeah, the diversity that is a shame um although I do like Ivanova more than I like takashima um in terms of just like what they're doing with their character, and she's set up more as to have more. Interesting interpersonal relationships with the other, um, I guess crew, you know, in terms of her being a little bit prickly. Um, I don't really have a preference of Lita versus Talia at this point. Um, I'm still not completely sold on Sinclair. I think somebody mentioned, um, in our group about, um, some people think he has wooden acting or whatever. I don't think, I don't mind him as an actor. I just think as a viewer for me, I would like to see a little bit more personality coming through in his character um or a little bit more um conflict or something like that you know in his character some maybe some bad traits he has i'm not even sure we've seen any negative traits of his um but, but i sure it was interesting um it got my conspiracy theories flowing um good character work and so i would also give it a good same as the last one a good solid seven i liked it Oh, seven Centauri bone flutes.
3: <laughs> hmm. Okay, Ian? Okay. Um, well, I think in some ways it does a better job than the pilot, uh, as you were saying, Jason, in establishing everything. And I love the introduction of Vanova. Um, um, and I think you've got great potential with that character moving forward. And there's other things introduced here which lay some nice little groundwork and seeds for the future. And um again, Lundo, you've got some nice stuff going on with him. Yes, there's a big overacted hammy scene, but it, I think everyone's trying to find their places still. It's still very early on in the series, and... It takes time for things to um, settle down sometimes and people to find their places in a series like this. Um, I'm going to be a little boring and give it a seven and a half again. So, seven and a half. um, Damn it, I had what we're going to call it and it's gone completely from the top of my head. Um, I'll have to be a bit boring now. Seven and a half Raiders.
0: (laughs) Cool. I'm
1: sure it was brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: It'll come back to you when we finish recording. I bet it will. Well, like has been said, I thought this was a better episode than the pilot. I really enjoyed Ivanova, and I enjoyed Jakar and Londo. And I think it did a pretty good job of setting up the series again. I'll, I'll give it an 8 out of 10 startling face changes. Hmm. <laughs> So our combined score for this episode was a 7.0, and our combined score for The Gathering was 7.75. Hmm.
3: Cool. I feel like I actually, yeah, perhaps I need to actually up it to it, because it is actually better than the series, I mean, than the pilot. But this is the problem. When you've seen the entire series and you know the highs it can reach, you, you don't want to rate something too high. But compared to the pilot, I'm going to have to give it its extra half a point. Um, just the ratings, Will. Um, it, eight of, out of ten raiders. Okay. Now you're going to
2: make him do the math all over again.
0: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wait.
1: He's going something. to make Excel do the math.
0: Alright, I must have screwed up this thing because the score didn't change. What did I do? Okay. I'm going to sit here and do it manually. Eight plus... Six plus seven plus eight plus eight divided by five. It's 7.4 now. Okay. All right. Ah, so we have feedback. Yay. 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 First, I want to thank some listeners for our iTunes reviews. The Overwhelmed Brian and Alex Designs gave us two reviews on iTunes. Thank you. If you like what you hear, folks, go over to iTunes and give us great ratings. But any kind of constructive feedback is welcome. The next, email feedback. First, we have email from Bob. Do someone want to read Bob's email?
4: Sure, I'll take Bob's. I'm getting concerned that Jakar won't be around for too long. How many despicable things can he do before being killed slash banished? He's a good character, so I hope I'm wrong. As before, I have mixed feelings on Sinclair. His being a fighter pilot bored me. No, the commander (laughs) does not go off and get himself killed. But I liked him setting up plausible deniability for Ivanova when he left. What Mm. happened to Takashima? Is the second in command going to be like number two in The Prisoner, where the character changes every episode? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Mind you, (laughs) if they are as hot as these two, I'm not complaining. (laughs) next Delen, week a guy yes yeah, dylan and garibaldi watching cartoons was just perfect her complete bewilderment at earth customs was charming earth's treatment of telepaths is awful i would have expected better from the future
0: thanks bob um, cheers next we have email from laurie who to take that
1: i'll read it from laurie um hello ambassadors Really enjoyed the commentary and can see how it was hard to follow the story and talk, as a lot did happen. Thank you, Lori. I watched a when it aired, and that cannot be 20 years ago, (laughs) and then did a rewatch a number of years back. Looking forward to following along with you now. We did not get to see a lot of Delenn this episode, but it is the same actress. I am sure Will addresses it, but I think they just scaled back the makeup quite a bit from the pilot. I also like seeing more various backstories and cultures, including Earth's politics and the presidential race, as well as Londo's relationship with his homeworld and meeting his assistant, Veer. Must be the worst job ever. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of great Jakar and Londo moments and quotes. You all called the hidden gun right away, and it was fun hearing your reactions again to Ambassador Kosh. The talk between Talia Winters and Lieutenant Commander Ivanova was interesting, especially learning more about the CyCor. Human of the episode, Lieutenant Commander Ivanova. Alien, Jakar. Thank you.
3: Looking forward to listening.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Laurie. And next we have email from Shane. Anybody want to take that?
3: I probably should, but I didn't bring up the email. Um, I was kind of busy before the uh, podcast started. Okay, I'll do it. Okay.
0: First off, I want to say how much I'm enjoying the podcast so far. Really strong start. Keep it up, guys. Thank you, Shane.
3: Thank you.
0: Cheers, Shane. Midnight on the Firing Line. I really enjoyed this one right from the start. It's trying to make itself different from Star Trek. Tension between the characters, mild swearing, even a small subplot coming from the TV news. It does its job of reintroducing everyone well. Overall, I give this an 8 out of 10. Shane.
4: Thank you.
0: Shane. I just started watching Red Dwarf, so I'll be listening to Shane's podcast, his cast about Red Dwarf.
3: Cool. We'll have to see what you think about that. Yeah. Is
1: that on Netflix?
0: Yes, according to Netflix, I watched the first two episodes a couple of years ago. I guess I just got distracted by other things, and maybe oh. I wasn't maybe I wasn't ready for that style of humor at the time.
3: Um, it should all be on Netflix. I because yeah. I listened to the podcast. The 10th season isn't yet, apparently, because Heath and Angela are having problems tracking those down.
1: Oh, okay.
3: Yeah, uh, they're finding places for it, but I don't think it's on Netflix, the 10th season
0: series. Oh, are Heath and Angela on that show? Cool. Yeah, uh, they're the newbies. It's, nice. it's weird that I knew them back in Starkville, Mississippi, a little small town, and then years later, find out that we we're all interested in intro cast.
1: Oh, my God. You knew them in person,
0: you mean? Yeah, I met them through a oh. mutual friend. Cool. We have... Do we want to read the Facebook comments?
1: Yeah, there's only
4: three of them. Okay. Um, from Jan. From... Okay, sorry. From Jan. Um, just watched Midnight on the Firing Line. I simply do not get the people talking about Michael O'Hare's wooden acting. To me, it is not wooden. It is subtle. Big difference. Just a small change in facial expression says it all.
0: Okay, Jason says JMS had a problem with stilted language early on and some of that is blamed wrongly on O'Hare. And Bob replies, I'm a newbie, so it's way too early for me to form a definite opinion. But Garibaldi to me comes across as far more believable as a human being as opposed to a robotic, (laughs) android, cyborg, whatever, than Sinclair.
1: Is that a prediction, Bob? Hmm. Are you predicting that Sinclair is a robot, android, cyborg, or whatever?
0: He's a Cylon. (laughs)
1: <laughs> He's a Cylon. <laughs> awesome.
3: Does, right. that, does that mean um, when once uh, the Galactica gets to Earth, it's actually the other alliance, and they get to be a crossover with Babylon 5?
1: Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> I do cool. agree, though, that for me, Garibaldi is a little bit more natural, and that could be the way that, you know, uh, Sinclair is written. You know, It's hard to tell.
4: Yeah, well, and and it could be a a joke more, more, sorry. Right, and it could be a character thing, too, like where Sinclair is the commander, so he has to, you know, be a little more
1: serious, maybe? That's true. He can't be offering women to come to his quarters. (laughs) 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 I mean, he could.
3: (laughs) He doesn't seem to be cut from the same cloth as uh, James T. Kirk, does he?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, from what I can tell of Star Trek.
0: Okay, so our next episode, the next episode is titled Soul Hunter. Do we have any predictions about the episode or the series overall?
1: Well, firstly, is it S-O-U-L Hunter, right?
0: Yes, S-O-U-L, not (laughs) S-O-L-E.
1: Okay, that makes a difference. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not... (laughs) They're hunting shoes. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) No, he's the only hunter. (laughs) Yeah. Versus he's hunting souls, or she... Oh gosh! That is a hard one
4: yeah i'd I'd think I'd like to say that um it's going to be maybe a new character or like a one time character or something that i I don't know about this whole soul hunting if it's like directly referencing something to do with that, but um maybe maybe it has something to do with uh Kosh and his little glowing orb-ness. Uh-huh. ooh.
1: i don't know that's really tough that's a tough uh title to predict for for some reason i can't even think of i mean i'd love to think it has to do with religion and you know what one particular race you know but i don't think it will be um i'm gonna predict that we focus a little bit more on the Mumbari in the next episode that's my prediction i don't know anything about the soul hunter that i can't even fathom what that means um Hmm. I like your idea that it's kind of a one-off character, though.
4: Yeah. How about your overall predictions, Elizabeth? Did you have any other big ones that you were?
1: Well, I think I think we, at some point we have to we have to be have a couple episodes on Earth. So I guess I'll predict that that I would. I mean, that, I hope that's what we get to see. But I hope and I think that probably at least in the series we'll have some episodes on Earth and hopefully on other worlds as well. Um, I think. We will learn more about what caused the Earth-Mambari War, and we'll find out that it was Earth's fault. That's just my prediction. Um, and, oh, that's all I can think of for now, other than what I've already mentioned.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with a series prediction, which is really more of a kind of a wish of what maybe I'd like to see. Um, I would love it if we could see a character who discovers that they're psychic and, like, has mm. to make this decision um, of, you know, whether they whether they be trained or whether they go to prison or whether they take the drugs. I think that that would be incredibly interesting. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Anything else? That's it. Alright, so Jason, where can we find you on the web?
2: Well, apparently I'm now guesting on introcast all the time, so I don't have time <laughs> to lose. I, I, I wanted to pick up the Veronica Mars one and I just had to say no. I have to stop. Uh, a, that's my limit. Um <laughs> actually my limit was already reached and then you announced a Babylon Five podcast and I was like, Well I have to do that one, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, because it's uh right up there with my favorite T V series of all time. So And Which it was is? it was one I was thinking about um I was thinking about doing, you know, if I got into podcasting myself, this is the show I would have done it on. Yeah. So I'm glad someone else took the took the work away. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, and you're welcome to guest as many times as, you know, we have openings.
0: Yeah. Please come back. Well, that's all we have for today, everybody. Bye.
1: Bye.
4: Bye. Bye.
0: Look for us on the web in iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Also at downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and also on Twitter at downbelowcast.